0: Hold on, real quick note, stick around to the end because there is an announcement at the end of the episode. You'll actually hear me and Liz say there's an announcement coming next episode, but I got my head all screwed up about when these things are being released. It's actually this episode that the big announcement is happening, so stick around even after we say goodbye. All right, see you at the other end. there folks thank you for tuning in to the punch like a girl podcast i'm nathaniel and i'm liz and this time we are taking a look at lumberjanes the first uh collected volume which is subtitled beware the kitten holy um and this well this was one i was aware of but you you were pushing for us to get to this one
1: yes mainly because um it was noelle stevenson again um was attached to it. She's a writer this time. Um, but I loved Nimona so much that I was excited for this. And also, um, it was one um, I got for my students at my one of my libraries.
0: Yeah, so I guess we'll get the credits out of the way because Liz mentioned Noelle Stevenson. So she was both the writer and the artist on Nimona, which we reviewed previously on this one. She's a writer along with Grace Ellis the rest of the uh, and and noelle stevenson did some of the covers but the interior art is by brooke allen with colors by marta lejo letters by Aubrey uh ac i see i think that's it um uh, and it's also worth noting that though the art is by brooke allen noelle stevenson did uh work on the character designs with her um so it, even though it is a different art, you do kind of feel her fingerprints on it. So the sto- the story of Lumberjanes. Who? okay. Um It de- it deals with a camp and it's sort of um a, a Girl Scouts-esque in the broadest <laughs> sense, insofar as it, it it's a place for girls to go and be outdoors and they earn badges and Mm-hmm. So there's all that, and we're dealing with five friends who are at this camp. So let's see, if, let's see if I can remember all these. So it is Ripley, April, Joe, Mal, and...
1: Molly. Ah!
0: I knew I was going to miss one. Um, So it the, the core group is the five of them. Uh, we also meet their...
1: Counselor Jen.
0: Yep. And uh-huh. there's Rosie, who's the camp director. Yes. Um, And we follow them on some weird...
1: (laughs) Really weird adventures.
0: Little adventures involving things like huge eel monsters in the river and three-eyed foxes and hipster yetis.
1: Yes, they... You get the three-eyed foxes attacking the girls, like, I think about two pages in. So they throw you right into the middle of this, and you're like, what is going on?
0: Yeah, page three, the three-eyed foxes show up.
1: Yes. Um, it is a lot of weirdness and a lot of fun right from the bat. I really enjoyed this. Um, I really enjoyed the girls. Um, especially Ripley, who was constantly enthusiastic and just running into everything, full charge. Um,
0: Ripley is, I'm pretty sure Ripley's the youngest. She's certainly the most enthusiastic of the group. Her solution to pretty much anything is to literally run at it head on. (laughs) Yes.
1: Um, There's a point where they're like trying to give one of the characters CPR and like she's like having none of it and she just like runs at them and like kicks them in the stomach and that's how she (laughs) revives them.
0: Or there's a little later they're looking down this cave and one of them's like I don't think we should go in there and Ripley just goes I think we should go in there and she just jumps down into this pit.
1: (laughs) So... Um, yes, Ripley was my favorite. <laughs>
0: so. I suspected she was going to be. I'm not sure I could nail down a favorite out of the five. I did like them all, and one of the things it w- it was funny because I I did end up looking up the the Wikipedia entry on this because I I'm a I'm a more visual person by nature, so I was recognizing these characters by sight and characteristics very early on, but I was getting their names mixed up, um, and so I because i didn't and the other thing is like there's no formal introduction because it does basically leap right to three-eyed foxes at night mm-hmm. it kind of skips over the oh hey look it's this character and this one and this one and the names are only said
1: where they come from yeah no <laughs> so
0: the names are only set in context so because i didn't want to flip through the book and try and figure it out i went to the wikipedia page and one thing that i found really interesting about the wikipedia entry is it goes through all the girls and it breaks down, you know, their personalities, but there's a sentence that is actually listed for every girl and it's identical sentence in all their descriptions and that is, she sometimes acts as the leader.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is true.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because it hadn't occurred to me until I saw that and I'm like, that's true. There isn't a definitive, this person leads the group. It is very much, well, here's the situation we're in now which of us five is best equipped to take charge and whoever does just takes charge it happens so organically that i didn't even notice it was happening
1: that's kind of cool yeah i did notice that um i also really my probably close second favorite is april who is probably the most um sort of feminine looking of the girls has a big hair bow um like cute little pink shorts yeah um Little purple jacket. Um, she is also this freakishly strong, and um, she
0: arm wrestles a statue and wins.
1: Yes, she cracks the statue's arm off. In fact, <laughs> so I really like that. I like that she takes notes in her little journal about everything. Um, I like at towards the end of the book, she gives a little speech all about how she's gonna do some butt kicking and how they're gonna do some butt kicking. Um, I just like that she, you know, kind of looks, you know, like very like, prim and proper but then really kicks butt
0: so well they also do that contrast the other way too because the most punk looking one of the group which is mal Mm -hmm. um is also the most cautious and the most like
1: "Ah, i'm not sure about this it's a nice contrast but ripley with her endless enthusiasm just like (laughs) runs her way instantly into my heart so
0: I did enjoy this a lot. I do want to say I, I have one criticism about it, and it's actually one that it shares with Nimona, but it was more pronounced for me in this case. Mm-hmm. And that is that I had a difficult time orientating to what is normal for this world, <laughs> because both this and Nemo- and Nimona dive in right off the bat. Um, The difference is, though, is because Nimona was set in a fantasy world, I knew I was going to have to figure out the rules as I went. Mm -hmm. And it was just a matter of realizing, oh, this standard fantasy rule that I'm used to isn't being used here. They're doing this instead. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I did mention at the time when we did Nimona that it took me a couple of chapters to sort of orientate to what is is normal Mm -hmm. here. This one, it was actually even trickier for me to do that because setting-wise, it's like it's the real world. Mm-mm. But, you know, a horde of three-eyed foxes show up and they just, like, assume a fighting formation to start battling them. And I am, and while it is very cool,
1: uh-huh.
0: part of my brain's going, is this weird for them? Or is this a typical night for them? And actually, even finishing this first volume, I'm not entirely sure as to how weird this stuff is for them, because they don't, while they, they react to it as an appropriate scope of danger, mm-hmm. and they don't act like it's not a big deal, they're, they're not weirded out mm-hmm. by what's going on. So even at the end of this first volume, I still haven't fully orin- orientated to what's to the normal of this world.
1: Yeah, I do think it's a. As much as I like stories, usually that throw you into the middle of things, it is really like it, it is a little disorienting trying to figure out what is going on in this world and. You know how long have they been at this camp? How, how many of these creatures have they seen before? Like they reference several things, and I'm just not sure what all is going on.
0: Yeah. And and there's and there's other things that are dropped. I'm like, is that a joke or is that them trying to clue me into what... Because like, Rosie makes reference to the moose stables. So I'm like, is that a joke? Or do they ride moose here like their are horses? Is that what's normal here? Or do they just take care of moose? It, yeah, yeah it's, it's
1: hard to tell. And I, I understand there's more volumes to come and maybe it will unfold, but... It is a little jarring to just get thrown into this world. It's, uh,
0: I, I will say it's not frustrating to try and figure it out. I it's it I still had fun reading it, mm-hmm. but it it is it is a little uh, a bit of work to try and just orientate yourself to everything.
1: Yes.
0: But it 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 didn't it it didn't make it unpleasant. It just made it slightly confusing.
1: Yeah and it's true because some of the girls have badges and seem to know the camp a little more than some of the others because they've referenced like some girls having certain badges not others or like I think it was in the chapter with the huge monster eel Mm -hmm. um, some of them having that badge but not others so it's it's kind of confusing like how long they've been at the camp and how long they've all known each other. They are all in the same cabin and I think that's how they know each other primarily. Um, and poor Jen has to put up with them, their counselor. Um, <laughs> she's quite distraught. She reminded me a little bit of Rosalind. um, from Calvin and Hobbes, the babysitter, (laughs) just like how put upon she is, like, why, why did I get this group of kids, you know, like, why do I have to take care of them, um, but she means well, um, and is very fond of them and, and is protective of them, um, so I like her a lot, I love Rosie, um, my, my cousin actually took this book and, um, he found out i hadn't read it um all of it so he wouldn't say much about it but he's like yeah i really like rosie rosie's rosie's great
0: rosie's just kind of unflappable yes like because that one thing i'm very glad they don't do is they don't do the typical you know kids on an adventure thing where like they won't tell the adults or adults won't believe them they're very upfront with rosie about what like coming away from fighting three-eyed foxes and she's and she's just so unfazed <laughs>
1: Yes, Rosie seems to know what's going on. Jen, however, at first, is like, what are they talking about? Like, I can't believe these girls. Um, Though by the end, spoiler, um, she does believe them because she has seen some strange things as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jen, when she's in the thick of it, she's, you know, she'll she'll throw down with the rest of them. But she is a bit like, what? (sighs) Yes. Um, You mentioned the badges, and I wanted to bring those up because those are fun. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite was a tossed-off joke one, mm-hmm. uh, which was the Pungent Master badge. Uh, yes, that was great. Which one of the girls makes a horrible pun, and then immediately mm-hmm. looks over to Jen and she's like, "Eh, eh," and just like, "Congratulations, you've earned the Pungent Master <laughs> badge." <laughs> uh, oh.
1: Uh, it is great.
0: <laughs> there are a lot of lovely little weird moments like that.
1: It's a very cleverly written book with lots of great references. I love all the references to um, pioneering and brave and wonderful women who might not be that well known, which is always in their expressions like, you know, by Joan Jett or something mm-hmm. like that or Bessie Coleman. and. Some of them I had to look up, so that was kind of exciting. So I learned a lot, like just reading this book. Um, also, in the the section when they're in the caves and there's all the different like codes and deciphering things, they mentioned. I was like, I have no idea what they're talking
0: about. I reckon, I recognize the Fibonacci sequence. That that was about the only one I caught. But yeah, they were using real math to solve to basically solve an Indiana Jones catacomb.
1: Yeah. So that that was a fun... That might have been, I think, my favorite sequence was when they were in the caves. Um, figuring that all out and April arm-wrestling this giant statue and everything.
0: Well, also we get a fun little um, X-Men reference because Ripley and Mal pull a fastball special. Um, which, if you know X-Men, you know what that is. In case you don't... Um, that's when Colossus throws Wolverine at things. I was, um, I and was in actually, this case it was Mouth throwing Ripley.
1: I was actually thinking of Lord of the Rings and tossing a dwarf. So I was thinking of you know, you can't toss a dwarf but you can <laughs> certainly toss a Ripley.
0: <laughs> Ripley is very happy to be thrown directly at a giant bird statue thing. I think
1: Ripley, and kick
0: it in the head.
1: Ripley was probably, like, waiting for that moment all her life. <laughs> if Ripley can kick something or be thrown at something or, like, jump on something, she is all for it.
0: That's, that's a good day in her book.
1: <sighs> yes, and a very typical day as
0: well. <laughs> it, it would appear so. So, something that I found out accidentally... Um, because I did stumble onto the Wikipedia page and I want to bring up, even though it's not, it doesn't come up in the volume that we read, but I want to mention it anyway because I did check and it wasn't a retcon and it was something that the creators knew when they created this group Mm -hmm. and that is that Joe is a transgender girl.
1: Oh really? Yeah. Cool. I did not realize that.
0: Apparently, that gets revealed in in issue 17, which is probably two volumes later than we've read. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way the scene plays out is she is talking to one of the, uh, what are they, the scout boys, or...
1: Yeah, they're introduced in chapter four.
0: Yeah. Um, There's...
1: Definitely something going on with them. Um,
0: there's something weird going on with them, but the, but across across the lake, there's a there's basically an equivalent group of boys um, who are incredibly well mannered, and Jen is immediately jealous of their like cavalier. Like, how do you have them so well behaved? Yes, obedient.
1: Um, they make cookies and tea and are very polite and don't run off and run away from the counselor <laughs> immediately.
0: Um, but anyways, so apparently the way it was uh, revealed was Joe was talking with one of the mem- with one of the members of the Scout Boys, and she says something to the equivalent of, you know, when I was little, I, I could have been a Scout Boy, but I always knew I I I was supposed to be a Lumberjane.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's so cute! I love this ragtag little bunch of <laughs> kids. <laughs> They're so great. Um, uh, speaking of different characters, I also think there's a little bit of a crush going on between Mal and Molly. I kind of picked up on that. Yes, um,
0: they're they're both kind of too shy to say anything, but there's there's something going on there. Yes,
1: there there's a little hesitation when like oh I have to give her CPR, and then there's one where she goes back and she helps her get her Molly's cap. Um, She has a little raccoon skin cap um, with the tail and everything and so she has to go back and get it and Mal helps her do that and you know Molly's a little like oh I put I put you in danger and like there's this protectiveness a little bit more than there is with the other girls and just this, these really cute hints of a little crush going on, a mutual crush that I don't think they're quite aware of yet. So I really, I was just sweet, I think. I really like that.
0: Well, I, I like it, and much like the, the transgender thing that I that I mentioned, it's it's a background element it's something that's that's just there and Mm -hmm. does not need a ton of attention called to it and like even the way that i found out that they do that reveal for the transgender moment it's one that if you're speeding through the through the book you might not even catch so it's just like uh you know yeah that's a thing we're moving on though because we have statues to kick in the head (laughs) and, and hipster yetis to upset so
1: but hipster yetis really like cookies
0: yes Yes. If, if you encounter a hipster yeti in the wild, offer it cookies. All will be well.
1: I really like the one with the like bad tattoo, on its little like chest and everything. And they had a Walkman, which I was like, that's great. They <laughs> have a Walkman. They don't have an iPod or anything like that. The yetis have a Walkman. But and I also love that Ripley. You know, they were like, oh, Ripley has cookies. She can give the yetis all of her cookies but she's like no some of the cookies. <laughs> I can give the yetis
0: some of my cookies.
1: <laughs> some of my cookies that I have stolen from the Yeti? boy scouts. <laughs> Which just reconfirms
0: my love of Ripley. Not <laughs> <laughs> I mean, priorities. Like I, yes these are huge hairy monsters that are probably super strong and really dangerous it but. Could
1: rip us apart.
0: No, they can't have all my cookies. <laughs> Not
1: all the cookies. <laughs> <Yeah>. Clearly.
0: <laughs> it's, oh, and another thing that I liked, and I don't know if this was an intentional nod, but it's, it's the kind of thing that I, I love in weird folklore. I, I always find folklore, particularly monster folklore, and mystical and um, creature folklore really interesting because of how weird and random it is. Mm-hmm. If you really dig into that. So there's a scene later on where they're dealing with it's not entirely clear what's going on. Maybe they're kind maybe they're possessed. Maybe it's a zombie thing going on. It's not entirely clear. But Jen throws this bowl of it looks like it's jelly beans mm-hmm. on the floor. And they all are just oh, what did you do that for? What a mess. And they just bend down and start picking it up. Start picking everything up, you know, piece by piece, which I forget where in the world but there's it might be chinese vampires there's some version of vampires where if you spill rice on the floor they have to pick up each individual grain and that's how you run away from them so
1: ah, okay maybe it's not i more thought about like they were reverting back to their like proper selves where it, they're like oh gosh we have to clean up this mess oh no
0: it could it could it could be six of one half one half dozen of the other or it could be projecting because like I, said, I i just love random rules from crazy folklore.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I could see her perhaps referencing that because there's a lot of really clever stuff thrown in. There's a wishbone reference to that show, that old TV show, where she asks, like, Rosie goes, what's the story wishbone to one of the girls? And I <laughs> got so excited because I just thought that was the cutest show when I was a kid. So... <laughs> The Wishbone reference really made it for me.
0: So, I get... Here's a question for you, you since you... I mean, this, this made the rounds at your school, didn't it, or...?
1: um Yeah, it did. It, um, I think it was... I probably got it about halfway through the year. It mainly cycled through the fourth and fifth grade. Um,
0: That's kind of first. where, where it was going, like, what? I mean, because I... Despite... What I said about trying to orientate to what is normal is a bit of a, a head scratcher. It is a lot of fun, and it's and so I was looking for kind of a guide for Adrian. Where do we recommend?
1: um I think also the the way things happen at my school is if something is popular in one class and that a child in that class brings it back usually. They put it on the shelf and someone else will snatch it before it gets reshelved in that class. So it's not necessarily that it wouldn't be popular popular in another class. It's just like it goes out in that class first and then someone hears about it and it keeps cycling through.
0: Oh, so it's it's hard to tell what other grades would like it because it spends so much time with that group.
1: Uh Uh-huh. A couple of my middle school boys also picked it up and liked it as well um, because, you know, they want... There's there's several students in um, particularly one school I work in that are like whatever graphic novel you have, let me know about it. There's a couple more of the nonfiction ones that they're not so into, but like this one, they were like, okay, I'll read it, and they're like, yep, that was good. Weird, but good. So um, yeah, it seems pretty popular um, with equally with boys and girls. I would say. Um, I mean,
0: it's it's a real it's a very rollicking adventure tone. So uh-huh. I, I think you, you can find pretty easy universal appeal on that. It's, uh-huh. yeah, it, and it's, the, the characters are, um, you know, they, they are girls and they have, uh, some of them more than others, but they all have girlish qualities. So the characters, I don't think could have been swapped out for boys, uh-huh. but as far as the events going around them. It could easily have happened to a group of boys as well. Uh-huh. So I, like I said, I think the events and the adventure appeals either way. It just happens to be five girls this time. Yeah, and 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 like I said, I do still want to point out that they are like they 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 are characterized as a group because sometimes when you get it when you get like an adventure or an action story or to use something that. Um, is popular with something like the Hunger Games, and you get a character like Katniss, who who is a you know good character and a strong character, but most of her qualities are coded masculine. She's stoic and does, and she's good at hunting, and she would rather be alone, and they are more traditionally masculine qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, like for a big chunk of the plot of that story her character could have been a boy and and only a few things get changed Mm. whereas this while the the events could still happen to boys i think the characters are coded in a way that is more of a mix especially across the five characters
1: i think too i mean the way each chapter is set up they talk it's like a little manual about lumberjanes and they talk about the values of the lumberjanes and things like that and they're very much the values and the skills that the girls exhibit in that particular chapter so i think there's an emphasis on that and there's definitely an emphasis on resourcefulness and loyalty and friendship and things like that so i think
0: there's yet at the same time there is a nod to the idea that this like this group not this particular group of girls but this organization has been around long enough that maybe some of its initial ideas were outdated Mm -hmm. so like there's
1: um they keep referencing the uniforms in the manual um which the girls are all dressed quite differently yeah and kind of like a mishmash of clothes a lot of which don't really match. Yeah,
0: none <laughs> of them are in uniforms or, like, at um, the, the first page of the Lumberjanes Field Manual, it says, prepared for by Miss uh, Quizella uh, Thisquin. And, like, she's got four names, but it's, like, it, it's camp for girls, but the word girls is crossed out and replaced with hardcore lady types. And that was obviously a handwritten correction from... Rosie or somebody like Rosie?
1: Yes, and there's an oath that they take and then there's a line, I think it's like where is it? Um
0: Then there's a line about God or whatever. Whatever.
1: Yes, that where they've kind of, you know, made a little amendment to it, um to modernize it.
0: Yeah, so it's with the with the manual sections, it is interesting that you get a mix of here are the traditional Lumberjane values, but you get the hints of how it's been changing over time. Yes.
1: How how the girls, perhaps, can take a new spin or interpret those values. Um, I love the motto of friendship to the max.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: um, that's great. Uh, and
0: it it is just this... This fun dynamic of these characters together and thrown into the weirdness of the situation, and, and if you're wondering what the title means, but where the kitten holy, um, I I don't know.
1: <laughs> it is. Part of, like, sort of a message they get, I think, is it from the
0: foxes? It's from the foxes. I mean, it's one of those things, like, I know I know why it's the time, though, where it comes in. What it means, I don't know, because by the end of this particular volume, they haven't figured out what's going on yet.
1: They haven't quite figured it out. So yeah. it's sort of a coded message. Um, so they're still trying to figure it out. Though the picture that they show of Ripley and the holy kitten is really adorable, <laughs> and I kind of want a... Holy Kitten character just because the drawing is so adorable. And I think Ripley could have a lot of fun with that. Um, Perhaps they could throw the Holy Kitten as well as Ripley. I don't know. (laughs) But um, yeah. I will say the one thing um, in terms of like there's definite female empowerment. I have to say when they had the boys' counselor come in, and it was, like, Mr. Toxic Masculinity, and he was yelling at them. I was like, do we have to have him come in? Do we have that to? I didn't
0: really like I'm, that. I'm kind of reserving judgment on that, only insofar as it's it's implied at the very end that he's behind, if not, like, all the weirdness, he's definitely wrapped up in it. I suppose. So it's, it's my... It's the sort of thing that, like, I don't like it, but I'm hesitant to be too harsh on it because I want to give it the opportunity to justify itself with stuff that happens later. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, yes, it's...
1: It's jarring to see that example in a world that has... It's pretty much been all females up to this point until they see the Boy the Boy Scouts, which is at towards the end of the fourth chapter, and... And uh, they're very polite and nice and everything. And then to have him come in and kind of, like, fraud at the mouth and, like,
0: what are you doing here, stupid girls?
1: Wah, it's it's a little,
0: like, oh, I don't want to deal with you. Yeah, and then he leaves the cabin going, I'm going to catch a fish by wrestling it away from a bear. And it's, and, it's, and
1: it's we, I get that it's an over-exaggeration of that, Character trope, but I'm also like I, uh, I don't want this it's, right now.
0: He, it is such a caricature. I'm hoping that a point will reveal itself in like the next volume, but within the confines of this collection, yeah, it's just kind of a weird divergence. It's like eh, we we didn't need that.
1: Yeah, that, I guess that's how I felt about it as well. It it was, I just didn't want it
0: there. There's I'm also sure. a very cool. Um, covers and variant cover collection at the back um, from a number of different artists. So like there's some by Noel Stevenson, there's some by by Brooke Allen, um, And but even some of those are done in slightly different style from how it is, but there's a whole bunch done by various artists um, who aren't names that I recognize, but they obviously just got a collection of, and I'm just double checking now. It looks like entirely female artists to do these variant covers, and yes, they are all women, all all by uh, women artists.
1: Yeah, um, I liked a couple of them in particular. What, which ones did I know? Um, I like the one where they're, it's Madeline Flores' one, where they're in the woods and there's glowing eyes, kind of. I like the hot air balloon, which kind of references the the monster in the river. Mm-hmm. Um, the one where they all have huge eyes and kind of look like brass dolls, that one just cracked me up. <laughs> <laughs> um and i like the one where they're all kind of looking upwards and up uh, they're sitting around the fire the campfire, kind of like yeah. very dreamy and wistful um you know plotting their next adventure
0: so yes. it's it is a fun book and it's it moves at a good pace and it kicks along and it's got a lot of fun characters just just be prepared for it to be weird and if you're only picking up the first volume be prepared to not really? have it all make sense yeah because if it ever all makes sense it's not by the end of this volume
1: you are along for the ride and not really to understand what is going on and no. what is passing you by
0: through the you, window. you're along for the ride but you're not entirely sure what it is you're riding or where it's going
1: yes yes <laughs> it could be a moose it could be a three-eyed red fox it could be a giant statue we're not
0: quite sure it's a fun ride regardless but yes <laughs> so it it i think i think this book gets a recommendation from both of us it 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 is a lot of fun i for me for things noel stevenson has been involved in i like nimona a little better Although I have to grant that's also because I got to read Nimona through to the end and that's a completed story. Yeah. Um,
1: I will say no I, I like Nimona as well. You know the you get to know the characters a little better. I think it's a it goes a little deeper in terms of morals and message in Nimona as well. Um, there's a lot more shades of gray in Nimona. Um but this is just a good, fun ride, and fun references, clever, um, witty, a lot of
0: fun. So I think that'll wrap it up. That's Lumberjanes!
1: Friendship to the max!
0: Yes! <laughs> um, and did we decide what we're doing next time? I can't remember. That.
1: I think we're still debating that.
0: So yeah, it's... we're we're figuring that out. But! Um, there will be a, an additional announcement that will come with next month's episode, but I'm not going to jump the gun on that because got to get all the ducks in a row on it. But that's coming, and we will, um, see you folks again in a month. Yeah. So, thanks so much. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Okay, so what the big announcement is, and and it is just me, Liz isn't here, to, to help share this with you, but we are very excited about this. This is going to be the last episode released on this feed as it currently exists the Punch Like a Girl podcast is moving to the Fire and Water Network. It will still have its own feed, but it will also be on the Fire and Water Network feed as well. This means starting with the September episode, you will be able to go to fireandwaterpodcast.com and you will be able to interact with Liz and I much more directly. You can leave comments directly on the episode and we may, as a result of that, start actually having a proper listener feedback section, which we kind of really haven't had up to this point so that's the big announcement punch like a girl now on the fire and water network fireandwaterpodcast.com the fire and water network podcast feed find us there see you then
1: punch like a girl is a council of geeks production
0: feedback can be left at the facebook page and at punchlikeagirlpod.wordpress.com you can also follow
1: us on twitter at Punch Like a Girl 1.
0: The logo and cover art are drawn by Nick Buxom.
1: The theme music is composed and recorded by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com.
0: Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>